0: Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, GetPuroAir.com. Well, hello. Welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to another episode of Sustainable Minimalists, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we are discussing all things sustainable family travel. Now, first of all, traveling with kids is never fun. <laughs> traveling sustainably with kids makes the whole process seemingly even harder, doesn't it? Well, my guest today has been all around the world and she believes and she's here to impart on us the fact that sustainable travel doesn't necessarily have to mean staying in your own backyard, never going anywhere, never seeing anything new. She does believe that there is a way to travel in an environmentally friendly way, and she's here to show us exactly how she does it. My guest today is Samantha Runkle. Samantha is the voice behind a very popular sustainable family travel website, heyterra.travel. Samantha, I'm so thrilled to talk to you today. How are you?
1: I am great. Thank you so much for having me on. So excited to be here.
0: Thank you for coming on. I'm really excited to glean your wisdom as it relates to sustainable family travel. But before we talk about any of that, tell us who you are, what you do, and how you found yourself so passionate about sustainable family travel that you have a blog about it.
1: My name is Samantha Runkel. I am a writer. I'm a mom, obviously, and I'm a traveler. And I happened to meet my husband while I was traveling. He was a travel photographer from Germany. And I ended up following him around the world, dropping everything. And we ended up traveling through 80 countries together as it stands today, and half of them with our two kids. And through all of that, of course, I was able to discover a lot and gleam a lot of wisdom about what is happening in the world, not only from an experience as a family traveler side, but also about what is happening with our planet and what are ways that we can possibly, what can we do as family travelers and explorers of this world to make the world a better place for, not for us, but for our kids.
0: You did mention there that you've traveled to 80 countries with your husband. I bet a lot of people listening right now are saying, wait a minute, how can you traverse the globe and also consider yourself eco-conscious? Remedy that for me.
1: Yeah, exactly. Carbon footprint, not. That's true. I didn't start off. Obviously, my husband is one of the most traveled people in the world. hes I think there really is a list, and I think today he is number two on the list. But what he does for his job, I have seen – he documents – the most remote landscapes and some of the most remote tribe, more remotest tribes in the world that as I'm looking at it as mostly as a documentarian, who knows well, if this will be existing in the next 20 years or how this will kind of change. I think his work is extremely important. And I've always approached as I traveled with him, that as an educational experience. And how can I also be part of that kind of solution and contributing to making the world a better place? We're obviously travel more than most families, but through some of that jet setting, as you would say, when you get to your destination, there are a lot of ways that you can actually contribute and better the community or communities and landscapes and wild places around you that actually make it more sustainable than even your day-to-day living.
0: Well, in an email you wrote to me, you did mention how one in 10 people around the globe rely on the tourism industry to survive. So in some senses, when we're traveling, we are putting our money in communities who may very likely need it. Can you talk more about that?
1: Absolutely. And that's one of the tenets. Sustainability, as we know it, is not only leaving a place as you left it or leaving something as you left it, but actually trying to improve it around you. And so what I always say is sustaining our planet also means sustaining the people and the landscapes that inhabit it. It's also important that we come and we visit some of these places because our powerful travel currency can contribute to one in 10 people that are surviving on the tourist economy. Unfortunately, when you do go and visit a destination, 5% of the money normally that is being given to a place is left in the communities. The rest is going out to larger international chains and so forth. And that's a shame. And that is why if you're reframing the way that you were looking at travel, that you can keep a lot of the money in the communities and you can be contributing to certain practices in those communities and supporting them personally, you're really actually benefiting the entire ecosystem there.
0: What I like about your response there is that it pushes back against the narrative that travel that requires an airplane is always bad. It's always inherently Uh, a negative. And so I hear you pushing back against that. However, the fact does remain that air travel, airplanes, the carbon that's emitted from these gas guzzlers, for lack of a better word, is bad for the planet. There's no getting around that. So how do you reduce your impact when you fly? Well,
1: the first thing is to reframe if you even need to fly. We live in Europe. We're doing a lot more non-fly travel. We're doing a lot more train travel and more travel by vehicle. There are a, here in Europe, there's a lot more initiatives happening that are incentivizing travelers to see Europe, which is actually so beautiful from the ground. Train travel is a great way to see this part of the world. I think as well here, there's an initiative in Germany that they're going to stop with short haul flights altogether. So that's great. So there's really just this kind of push towards, let's try and do it from a more holistic way. Let's not get on the plane if we don't have to. That's not to say that we should never, ever fly again, because Like we just talked about, once you do go to a destination, there are a lot of wonderful things you can do to contribute to a place. But yeah, the one thing is to look at it as far as do we need to get on this plane? Could we take the train? And that's another way that we can reframe being curious about the world and exploring. Slow travel is a wonderful way to look at it, which is taken from the slow movement in the 1980s in Italy. And it's about savoring the moment and being more regional and intentional with the foods that you were choosing to eat. If you're looking at that as travel, that's a way that you can approach that exploring your own backyard a little bit more inquisitively.
0: Going back to your point with regard to asking yourself, do you really need to fly? I think that's an important question that we all get in the habit of asking ourselves. I know in Europe where you are, your infrastructure is heads and shoulders above (laughs) what it is here in America. Side note here is one of my happiest memories after graduating college was getting a URL pass and just traversing Europe by myself. It was a lovely experience. I'm not sure if that's possible here in America, but I do think it is possible for us to ask ourselves, do we really need to fly? Could this be a road trip? Could we take a train and make the journey part of the family experience. And we're going to talk about road trips later, but I have to ask you, we're still on air travel. We're going to move on to a road trip in a little bit, but going back to air travel, one of the most frequently touted ways to be a responsible traveler is to purchase carbon offsets. I want to ask you your opinion on this because I have a lot of thoughts, but I don't have the knowledge to back up my thoughts. So what are your thoughts on carbon offsetting your air travel?
1: I I think it's a band-aid, of course. We have flown probably more than most families on planet Earth. So if anyone should be purchasing carbon offsets, it would be the Runkle family. And we do, but... It's not obviously the end all solution to everything. I believe that as we should be aware of what we're doing and when we are getting on a plane, there are beautiful new uh, green technologies like carbon capture that we support one of them that's based in Iceland, where I feel like it's important to also kind of invest into our futures and these new technologies. Not to say that now we can just go and fly wherever we want to go, but to look at those options for the future simultaneously as we're cutting back i think it's an important thing reduce your carbon footprint try to fly less try to not fly as often and support these initiatives
0: i agree with you i liked your comparison to carbon offsetting to being a bandaid carbon offsetting without any intentionality behind reducing your air travel to begin with like it needs to be both there needs to be a combination of intentional reduction and carbon offsetting during the opportunities when you cannot eliminate. And so I think in a lot of ways, carbon offsetting suffers from the same problems that recycling does. We just say, oh, it's okay. I'm recycling that plastic or, oh, it's okay. I'm flying all the time because I'm offsetting it. And so I think we really need to, again, combine that offsetting or that recycling, or whatever the quote-unquote eco-friendly behavior is with a bit of intentionality and good old-fashioned reduction. Like Reduction is never glamorous or pretty, but it's really darn important when we're talking about issues around sustainability. Samantha, I'd love to transition this conversation into your best thoughts for being more eco-conscious on our next trip. I know that There are green booking options on our favorite websites when we go to book our travel experiences. Can you tell us more about that?
1: Yeah. So they've just implemented, I think for sure in the States, a lot of them have been implemented since 2022. But if you are searching for a flight via Google Flights or on Orbitz, Skyscanner, which we use over here in Europe, uses it, and as well as Booking.com if you're looking for a hotel. Most of these travel um, and hotel engines, can you can use a, a green option, which is a filter that selects either the lowest carbon footprint, even Google Maps, you can now search when how can what's the route that I can get that's going to be the least impactful on the environment. And that's just via car. Or what kind of hotel I'm going to be booking? What kind of green initiatives do these hotels have? How are they treating their employees? And what kind of practices do they have? I would take it a step further if you're if you're trying to book a trip, let's say abroad, and you can even call up the hotel or send them an email and really ask them what kind of eco practices they have just to make sure that they're not greenwashing it because that's a really important part of if you are taking the time to fly somewhere and book a big trip is that you're also staying in a place that you know is doing good by the community there
0: yes i know that you are a big advocate for actively practicing regeneration on your trip on your holiday on your vacation what does that look like though For a family with children.
1: Absolutely. So if you're taking the time to book four or five of you on a plane and you get yourself across the world to explore a different continent, there are so many different things that you can do. And a lot of wonderful hotels I know are implementing these into the kind of their itineraries that you can have on site. And you can really, you can get into the community. You can join a local beach cleanup if you're going to a beach destination, for instance, which I think that's such a great idea. I love beach cleanups. I think it's an amazing way to learn about a destination because you're meeting the community, you're meeting people. You're also outside and you're also being productive uh, with your kids. We, we do it all the time here in um, Nuremberg. And it's just a wonderful way to really learn not only about the place that you're living or the place that you're visiting, but you're making obviously a positive impact on the people around you and of course your city. There's also coral reef restoration projects. If you're going to a a tropical island paradise, a lot of these wonderful hotels are implementing that where you learn about coral reef restoration and why we're coral reef incidents and bleaching incidents. That's perfect for kids to get their head underwater and and explore and see what they can do. And this is going to be a planet that they're going to have to be helping regenerate in the future. So this is so great. They can also do it on holiday if you're not living by the ocean, that's a great way to explore it. There's tons of things that you can do while you're on holiday to just take that extra step to really learn or meet people who are living there via artisan textile making classes and cooking classes. These are other ways to really learn from that one-on-one experience.
0: Yeah. It doesn't matter where we're going. It doesn't matter what the goal of the vacation is. Maybe it is to relax and unwind. Maybe it is to see a new place. But regardless, there's always an opportunity to infuse a bit of learning with our children, alongside our children, regardless of where you go or whether you just want to sit on the beach all day. If you actively plan one morning to join a local beach cleanup, or if you actively plan one day to support some other initiative in the destination you're going, that can go a long way for teaching your children about environmental issues that are popping up, rearing their heads in other areas of the world. Okay, so I have so many more questions for you. The next is, it is probably a surprise to no one that when we're in a new locale, it's really important for us to be smart, be intentional. I'm using that word again, about where we put our money. Talk to me about that. Where should our money go when we're on holiday?
1: Yeah, like I said, at the top of this episode is that 5% of our travel currency stays in the community and the rest goes out. And that is such a shame. So you can see that around the world. If you see cruise ships, for instance, if you decide to take a cruise, most of these cruise ships have deals with one or two of the shops on the whatever destination that they're coming to. They tell people not to support the locals. They have deals with drivers. So um, so many of these taxi drivers and local artisans and people selling all of their wares, which is their only way of supporting themselves, are completely cut out of the profit. It is a shame. And not only that, the people who are coming on these cruises are having no opportunity to actually talk to some of these people in the local community of the place that they're visiting. It's as if it's just a float City going from place to place. And if we were, as you said, more, more intentional with where we're putting our money, spread your dollars around. If you want to take a tour guide somewhere, if you're going to someplace, how about one a tour guide on one day and another tour guide another day? Because these guys or these women are taking the money back to their own families, and that is benefiting them so immensely when you buy souvenirs, when you eat in restaurants and cafes, go out of your hotel and go to the little cafe on the corner because that is really just that is the best way that you can help the, the community right around you is directly supporting them. And of course, like we talked about, which hotel you're going to stay at. Maybe it's someone who's been running a hotel there for generations. You definitely want to support that. They know what's going on. They'll hook you up with a great tour guide. That is the reason why we travel, isn't it? Otherwise... You can still go and relax and have a great time. And I think there's so many options this day and age to have the best of both worlds. You can go have a wonderful, relaxing holiday and be mutually supporting the people and the places around you.
0: I have been on a cruise, to your point, and it is a carefully curated experience in which you do the excursion the boat tells you to do. (laughs) You don't venture very far onto the island or wherever uh, you are. And I feel as though in instances in which we travel, but we don't interact with the community, where we perhaps stay at the (laughs) chain hotel's restaurant for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, we perhaps may be selling ourselves short because the purpose of going somewhere new is to fully, or in my opinion, the purpose of going somewhere new is to fully immerse myself in the experience. So I want to transition our conversation, Samantha, into your best tips for taking a family road trip. And I should say that the thought of taking. A road trip with my children sounds like a nightmare on earth. (laughs) But for listeners who think that sounds like a great idea, just in time for summer, how can they take a family road trip that's not completely wasteful?
1: There's a lot of great ways, and it comes down to just the basic logistics of getting the car tuned up. I never thought about that, but that was something that I read. I said, oh, that makes sense. There's just these little ways that if you can integrate what you do in your daily life, apply that to your road trip, it makes it so much easier. I'm sure most people who are listening right now are thinking through that and thinking through how can I minimize, how can I be a little bit more sustainable in my day-to-day if you take those concepts and, and apply that, not only do a road trip, but also a huge round the world trip or world travel, like what we do, I'm bringing the same things in my backpack. I have my same reusable water bottles and my reusable straws and my little reusable baggies. That everybody around you, when they see you're using it, it's oh, what are those cool things that those those people are using? Like the straw is the coolest toy. On any airplane or any airport, it's like this kind of normalizing this sustainability mindset out in the world. And also on a road trip, all that stuff fits right into your backpack and you just you just feel lighter for it using what I try to use at home and in- importing that into a road trip situation or even a flying situation is just it just makes me feel better about us traveling. As, as a family in general. So packing lighter, tuning the car up. Also, one good tip I read about was finding out where your recycling centers are. That's cool. I'm always looking for that when we you're packing up your stuff in the back of the car. Where's the recycling center? Just drop that off quickly. Also, the same application that it goes to world travel, trying to stay at mom and pops and eating at local restaurants. And just, again, like slow travel, being inquisitive and curious about the, where you're traveling to, even if it's the next town over and you're just doing a little local road trip or getting out into the mountains or the desert, or in your case, oh, up the coast a little bit to Mystic, Connecticut, there's probably a lot of amazing places that you haven't discovered in quite some time. And that's, I think that's a really good way to look at have, taking a road trip and making fun time out of it. But I know the hours can be long with kids. <laughs> I don't think there's any magical answer for that. 100,000, are we there yet?
0: (laughs) (laughs) What I'm taking from your answer there is that it's important to take your eco-friendly habits, whatever they are, whatever we all do in our own homes that are working, let's take those habits and continue acting in that eco-friendly, eco-conscious way on our vacation. I feel like in my life, it can be really easy to throw up your hands and say, oh, we're on vacation. It's a vacation from the work associated with being eco-friendly. But what I'm taking from your answer is, no, just keep, keep doing what you're doing, <laughs> Steer the course,
1: yeah, and it's much easier. You can even if you're on an airplane and just you have your own water bottle, you just say no thanks for this extra thing, and and everyone else looks at you around you and they're impressed and they're inspired, and that's the end of the the end of end of day how we actually make impact just by normalizing what is sustainable and what is eco friendly, and making it part of the culture, and that's a good way to do it,
0: right? Because when we're acting in a certain way. And we're somewhere new, we can potentially show others a different way of living. Samantha, tell us where my listeners can find more of you and more of your awesome sustainable family tips and tricks online.
1: Thank you so much. It's heyterra.travel. Resources, guides, tips, also interviews with some incredible change makers and just people out in the world that are doing incredible things for the planet that when we do travel, we can personally visit or just support virtually. And I also will be doing some personal consulting there if anybody had any questions about integrating sustainability into travel or even just traveling with kids. (laughs) There's always some answers for that one.
0: (laughs) Samantha, I want to thank you so much for coming on. You've given me the travel bug. I always have it, but I've been doing no traveling because Traveling with children is tricky, but you've done a really great job of showing us that travel with kids and doing it in an environmentally friendly way, that is all possible. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Listeners, that's a wrap. I so hope you enjoyed my conversation with Samantha Runkle. I've linked to her blog as well as some of the other resources she mentioned in this week's show notes. Now, before we say goodbye today, we have a quick eco tip, and we have a little bit of housekeeping issues to discuss. So let's start with the eco tip. The eco tip comes from Lauren. Lauren listened to my recent episode on subscription services, and she said that she keeps track of her subscriptions super simply. She has a notes you know in the notes app on her iphone she has a note and it's all about the subscription services she writes down the name of the service the day it normally charges the frequency of the charge and any other information she needs to stay on top of it. Other listeners wrote to me and they said they have an Excel spreadsheet on their desktop where they list their subscriptions and when they renew. And I love all of these ideas. Whether you use a notes document, an Excel document, there is a way to manage the subscriptions so that you stay on top of them. You keep the ones that add value to your life and you don't let yourself forget about the ones that... Are just taking money out of your account every single month. So thank you, Lauren, and thank you to everybody else who wrote to me about how you track your subscription services. Now we are on to our quick bit, excuse me, quick bit of housekeeping. You may have noticed some things different this week. I did not release an episode on Tuesday, and that's because the podcast was busy changing hosting providers. Now, that sounds really scary. I hope it wasn't scary. I hope it was pretty darn, if not completely, seamless for all of you, the listeners. But things are going to sound a little bit different around here moving forward. Specifically, the ads are going to sound different. There might be some more of them. I'm hoping that there's not going to be too many. I'm going to be on top of that on top of that in the coming week so that I find the sweet spot between keeping the podcast lights on and keeping you the listeners happy so I'm going to be working on that. I should also say the ads are now dynamically inserted. So they are put into the podcast and then they're taken out. In the past, I recorded it. I added it into the episode and it stayed there forever. Now those ads are leaving. They're going to come and go. I am also going to be monitoring as to whether the ads that are coming in are aligned with the show's values. So there should be no ads for ExxonMobil or... I don't know, some sort of diaper brand, disposable diaper brand, or some sort of plastic toy. So so I'm saying all this to say that I'm working on it on my end, but because the ads continually change, I need all of you to be my soldiers in the field and let me know if something doesn't sound right or if you're hearing too much. So I'm relying on all 10 plus thousand of you to please help me out my email, again, it's in the show notes. Reach out to me in the coming weeks. Tell me how things sound to you because this show's for you. I'm making this for you. And so I want you to be happy. So I will see you next week for another episode. We are discussing cooking from scratch, how to do it when we're all so busy. That's what we're talking about next week. I will see you then and take care.